Why does the church do that? Oftentimes the church does things and, and we may look, especially if we haven't grown up in church, but even sometimes if we have, we may look at what the church is doing and we go, why? Why do they do that? And there's two things in particular that we do in the church that maybe we've asked that question about. Last week we covered one of them when we talked about baptism. And today we're talking about communion, where we pass around this little cup and this little piece of bread and we, we take the bread and we drink the cup. Why do we do that? What's the purpose of doing all of this? Well, that, that thing is called a couple of different things, a few different things throughout history. Oftentimes, probably the most common, at least in our tradition, is communion. We call it communion, where we get together and we take the cup and we take the bread. Sometimes it's referred to as the Lord's Supper. Paul refer referred to it as that in the book of Corinthians. Uh, some traditions refer to it as the Eucharist. <laughs> Eucharist actually comes from a Greek word meaning giving thanks. And it comes from when Jesus uh, was getting ready to offer the first communion or the first Lord's Supper, or we oftentimes call it the Last Supper. And he said, um, it said he gave thanks and he broke it and said, that's where we get the term the Eucharist for communion. None of those are right or wrong. There's not one of those that's better than the other. It's just different terms that are used to describe the same thing. Now, some traditions do this once a year, some twice a year, some four or five times a year. Some do it randomly throughout the year. In our tradition, we do it every week. Uh, we just feel, again, it's not wrong to do it once a year or twice a year, but we do feel that the New Testament precedent was set, that they did it oftentimes even more than once a week. But every time they got together, they would oftentimes take communion as a remembrance. And we're going to dig into that here in a minute, because that's what it is. It's a remembrance of what D Jesus did for us on the cross. Notice that in the New Testament, nowhere does Jesus ever ask us to remember his birth. He never asked us to remember his birth. But he was very intentional about asking us to remember his death. A matter of fact, he set aside this very practice. Communion, Lord's Supper, Eucharist, whatever you want to call it. He developed this for the specific purpose of remembering his death, his sacrifice that he made for us on the cross. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we have kind of a, a, a short summary there of what the, the early church was all about. And it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, notice what it says there. There's four things that it says the early church devoted themselves to. First of all, it was the apostles' teaching. The teachings that they were carrying on that came from Jesus, what we now get in the Bible, in the New Testament it, it, specifically, we get those teachings of the apostles. And to the fellowship, they were devoted to each other. We've talked about that. We spent the majority of last year talking about being devoted and committed to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ and what all that means. 
And the fourth one that he mentions there is prayer. We've talked about a, a little bit about that earlier this year as we are uh, having a year focused on moving forward in faith. Prayer was one of those things that if we're going to move forward in faith, we've got to be consistent in our prayer. That's the way we talk to God. But notice number three there. Right along with the apostles' teaching, with the fellowship, and with prayer, it is the breaking of bread. It wasn't just something they did from time to time. It's not just something that they got together and go, oh, this might be a good idea. It says they were devoted to it. They were devoted to the breaking of bread. They were devoted to communion, to the Lord's Supper. Why? Because it continuously brought their attention to the central fact of the Christian faith, and that's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Now, when we talk about communion, there's probably one scripture that stands maybe head and shoulders above every other when it gives us insight into what communion is all about. And I think that passage of scripture is going to help us understand why we as a church do this. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 30. And it says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after he took the cup, saying in, in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes and he goes on to say so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. <laughs> now let me just tell you, there is a whole lot in that passage of Scripture. There's a whole lot that we could dig into. We could probably do a whole sermon series just on this passage. But I do want to dig into this, and we're going to primarily, the rest of the message, we're going to spend right here with this passage, digging in to these verses. Because I believe as we look at these verses at specific parts of this passage, we could get a better understanding of what communion is all about, why we do it as a church. I think we will find the importance, the significance, understand that it is more than just a practice. It is more than just a ritual. It is more than just a tradition of the church, but it has, oh, so much more meaning in that. Now, to start off, I want to look at those first two verses. Verses 23 and 24, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, keep this up there just a minute. Notice what he says there at the end of that. He took the bread and he broke it and he passed it out. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It is a remembrance. It is a memorial of what Jesus was going to do for us on the cross. As I said before, I know some traditions do communion once a year, some twice a year, some every quarter, some just kind of randomly do it from time to time. We choose to do it every week. I do not think it is a sin not to do it every week. However, I do believe it is better to do it every week because it is a consistent reminder to us of what Jesus did for us. And the more we are reminded, the more in the forefront of our minds it will be. Matter of fact, I heard from somebody one time whose tradition did not do it every week. But he said, the more often you do communion, the more likely you are to consistently remember the centrality of the Christian faith, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. If you are married... You probably wear on your finger or on a necklace or somewhere a wedding ring. I wear mine right here on my necklace. I have for many, many years. Never been able to wear a ring, but I wear it here on my necklace. And what does that ring do? If we lose that ring, does that mean we're no longer married? No. If we don't wear it, does it mean that we're going to forget we're married? Um, It better not. (laughs) but it is a consistent reminder to us of the commitment we made through that holy matrimony of marriage. It means something. It's a reminder to us. I had a professor in college one time that used the wedding ring. He did a, he did like a 30 minute long message on the comparison between a wedding ring and communion. Now, don't get scared. I'm not going to spend 30 minutes on this illustration this morning. But I do believe it's significant that a wedding ring, similar to communion, is a consistent reminder to us. Now, if you don't take communion every week, does that mean you're not Christian? No, it doesn't mean that at all. If you didn't take it at all, would it mean you're not Christian? No, it wouldn't mean that at all. But it is a consistent reminder that you are a follower of Jesus. And it's a consistent reminder of what Jesus did for you on that cross. Sometimes when I take communion, I like to picture myself at the very foot of the cross. And I can look up and I can see the body of Jesus pouring with blood hanging on that cross. It creates a more intimate, significant meaning for me as I take communion. So remember, first and foremost, this is a remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. Now I want to look at those next two verses. Verses 25 to 26. 
He says, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, I will tell you that there are three major theological teachings on communion as far as what is taking place there. One is called transubstantiation. And basically the meaning of that is, is that as you take communion, it is literally transformed to the literal body and blood of Jesus. Now there's another view that is called consubstantiation, which means that they believe that the, the bread and the juice remain constant. It does not transform. It does not change. But there is a spiritual presence within them. And then there is a third view called the symbolic view. The symbolic view is that the bread and the juice, they're, they're symbols. They symbolize the body and the blood of Jesus. Now, which one of those are true? As I read these words of Jesus, that Paul, Paul is quoting Jesus in this passage. As I read these words of Jesus, notice even back up in 24 that we looked at earlier, he said, this is my body. And in here in this passage, he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Notice Jesus didn't say, now, as I pass these out, I want you to realize that this is just bread and juice, but as you take it, it's going to transform into literally the body and blood of me. He didn't say that. Nor did Jesus say, hey, I want you to recognize, here's the bread, here's the juice, these will remain constant, but there is a spiritual presence around them that brings meaning to this. Nor did Jesus say, hey, here is the bread, here is the juice. I want you to understand that these two things symbolize my body and my blood. Well, what did Jesus say? This is my body. This is my blood. <clears throat> Interpret that however you want to. I don't care. I don't care. I just want to take Jesus at his word. If Jesus said, this is my body and this is my blood, that's going to be my attitude as I take communion. If you're comfortable with one of those other positions, okay, choose one. That's it's not a, If that ministers to you, if that brings meaning to you as you take communion, then do that. But for me, I'm just going to take Jesus at his word. As I take the bread, as I take the juice, my attitude is this is the body and the blood of Jesus as I remember him. Realize too that this is a statement of faith. Notice what he says in that last sentence. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It's a statement of faith. You are proclaiming that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And notice also it's not only a proclamation or a statement of faith, it's a proclamation of the return of Jesus, which is also a statement of faith. 
You see, communion is both a memorial of what has happened in the past and a celebration of what will happen in the future. You see, Jesus has already died on the cross. He's already made that sacrifice. He's already spilled his blood for us so that we could have an opportunity to go to heaven through him one day because of that sacrifice. But it's also a celebration that Jesus is coming back. He is returning. He will come back to take the church home with him to spend eternity in heaven with him. So it is both a memorial of the past and a celebration of the future. It is a statement of faith, a proclamation of faith as we take communion. Now, there Paul kind of kind of points out what Jesus did and and the the statements that Jesus made about communion. Now, apparently in the Corinthian church, some of them were abusing this. Some of them were taking what would be considered communion in an unworthy manner. Let's look at what Paul's instruction is there. Let's look now at verses 27 and 28. Paul says, so then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. <laughs> this is a time of self-examination. When you kind of look at yourself and you think, okay, over the past week, where has been my relationship with Jesus? Have I grown in that? Have I not done well? Do I need to repent? Do I need to ask for forgiveness? Do I need to reestablish a relationship that perhaps I've done something to damage or even break over the past week? How's my relationship with Jesus going? This is a time to look internally at our own mind and at our own heart and get a better understanding of what is going on inside of us. It is a time of self-examination. Again, as I told you earlier, it may be a good time for you to imagine yourself at the foot of the cross with the body of Jesus hanging there in front of you. And what does that do to you emotionally? What does that do to you mentally as you begin to look at what Jesus did for us and you began to examine your own heart, your own motives, Communion is a perfect time to be able to do that. The unexamined life is not worth living. And here's an excellent time to examine your life and make any adjustments you feel need to be made. Paul goes on to say in verses 29 and 30, in this passage, he says, for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. <laughs> Let me just clarify there that oftentimes when the Bible talks about falling asleep, what it's actually talking about there is death, is death. 
Paul is saying that some that have taken communion in an unworthy manner, that they have become weak, they've become sick, and some have even died because of taking communion in an unworthy manner. Now, I don't share this with you to scare you. I share this with you to emphasize the significance, the meaning, the importance, the seriousness of communion. It's not just about a piece of bread and a cup that we fit into our worship service. It has extreme meaning and it's very serious and important. Doesn't mean it's not a celebration. It is a celebration, but it's a serious celebration. It's not a flippant celebration. It is for followers of Jesus who have made that decision, made that decision to follow Jesus. They've given their life to him. They've made that commitment to Jesus. And they take this time to seriously examine their own life, to reflect and remember on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and to celebrate the anticipation of the return of Jesus. You see, it's much more than just a symbol. It is an intimate time with Jesus. So I encourage you, as you take communion, as you go through this practice, and I know when we do it often, we run the risk. I am aware of this. Because we do it every week, we run the risk of it just becoming a ritual to us. And that's one of the reasons why we want to address this, is to remind you that this is so much more than just a symbolic ritual. This is an extremely intimate time with Jesus. And the more we come at it with that type of attitude, the more meaning we will find in communion. I want to wrap up by looking at the message version of this passage of scripture. I just want to read through it, but I love the way it works that I think it really um, just emphasizes the meaning of what we've been talking about here. We've got it. This is what it says. <clears throat> Let me go over with you again exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper and why it is so centrally important. I received my instructions from the master himself and passed them on to you. The master, Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, took bread. Having given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this to remember me. After supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. What you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of the master. You will be drawn back to this meal again and again until the master returns. You must never 
Let familiarity breed contempt. All right, you got our third one up there. I'm working on it. Sorry. Anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the master irreverently is like part of the crowd that jeered and spit on him at his death. Is that the kind of remembrance you want to be a part of? Examine your motives, test your heart, come to this meal in holy. All. If you give no thought or worse, don't care about the broken body of the master when you eat and drink, you're running the risk of serious consequences. That's why so many of you even now are listless and sick and others have gone to an early grave. <laughs> why does the church take communion? I hope that this passage of scripture has helped to answer that question. The fact that it's a remembrance of the central aspect of the Christian faith, the death, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The fact that it is an intimate moment between us and Jesus as we build on that relationship. The fact that it is a time to examine ourselves and what needs to change and adjust in our relationship with Jesus and how we live out our faith. The fact that it is a proclamation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and the return of Jesus to come and take us home. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this meaningful, significant practice that we have each Sunday morning that we call communion, that we call the Lord's Supper. God, help us to enter into that each week with the right attitude, the right mindset, and the right heart as we remember you and we examine ourselves and we anticipate your return. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.